Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 54 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam, and I am here with Dave. How's it going? It's going really well. We've, yeah. Uh, not done this for a little while. Yeah. Two weeks. We took a little break there. I had to cross the Atlantic for a couple of days. Where'd I got, you go? I got to go to Ireland with my uh, my wife's side of the family. So it was, a- yeah, it was awesome. It was her parents' 40th anniversary, so uh-huh. they wanted to do something special and memorable, and we did. Very cool. Yeah, we were uh, we were gone for about 10 days, so two days of travel, and then eight days gallivanting across that island. It was very nice, very pretty, lovely people. Was it cold? Uh. I think by most people's standards, yes. By mine, it was perfect. <laughs> by anybody that grew up in Michigan? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there's plenty of people that grow up in Michigan and leave for <laughs> warmer climates. Um, but for those of us that liked it, yeah. No, so it was probably in the 40s in the morning and then, you know, 50s in the oh, afternoon. Yeah. But um, one day was an exceptionally windy. Like, blows the wind in Kansas out of the water. Really? Yeah, so we're up we're at the Cliffs of Mower, which is um if you've ever seen The Princess Bride is where they right. filmed the Cliffs of the Cliffs of Insanity, <laughs> which is a great scene. But no joke, these cliffs are like a thousand feet straight into the ocean. Yeah, it is crazy. incredible. Yeah. And what, what makes it even more exciting is that you're standing on top of these thousand foot tall cliffs and the wind is about forty or fifty miles an hour. <laughs> so, you know, not at all um boring. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean, we we saw that. We saw a bunch of other um, really cool uh, buildings and ruins. And um, there's one building we went to called the Muckrose House. It's now a national park because um, it's this giant, like 1800s mansion or manor on I forget how many acres, uh-huh. but enough to make it a national park. Uh, 25 bedrooms, uh, 31 fireplaces oh my gosh just if you've seen downtown abbey it's like that but bigger i've never seen downtown abbey neither yeah i've seen downtown (laughs) abbey that's that's more my speed but yeah no my wife was a big downtown abbey fan i i never could i couldn't just i just couldn't do it dave i just i tried but it was painful yeah i didn't even try (laughs) well you know that's all right to each their own yes well, we're glad you had a good trip and that you're back with us. Again. Yes, back safely. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, one of the questions I got the most was, so is Donald Trump going to be the president? Really? I got asked that a few times by uh, multiple people. Some of them in a pub, some of them on the airline, one of the uh, um, airline um, flight attendants I was just chatting with because I was sick of sitting. Because I'm not airplane-sized, turns out. <laughs> Who knew? Um, and my knees were yelling at me, so I got up and kind of went and hung out in the galley because that was the only place where you could stand where you weren't in in the way. And so we just got to chit-chatting, and Donald Trump came up, and apparently the whole world's looking at America and laughing right now. I was going to say, so is there then follow-up comment, gee, I sure hope so? No, no, <laughs> she... Uh, She's like, so is Donald Trump going to be president? And I said, I sure hope not. And then I was like, jokingly, I was like, you know, this wasn't totally vacation. This was part scouting trip because I can work from anywhere uh, now that, you know, I've got my new, my new job. But uh, 
And then I was like, no, he's not going to win. I was like, it's going to be Hillary. It's it's essentially a foregone conclusion in my mind, anyhow, that Hillary's going to win. And and she was just like, I just can't believe that that people like that man. He's horrible yeah. in a very charming Irish accent, of course, yeah. which I will not attempt right now. Um. And then some of the other flight attendants, this, this much older gentleman who was a flight attendant, super, super cool guy. Uh, and they started, they're all, we all just started talking politics. And I was just like, no, like if, if he gets elected, like a lot's going to hit the fan. Yeah. And uh, one of the attendants got all patriotic. She's like, you know, here you are, you're bashing your own country. I'd never, she's from Northern Ireland. So she got all, you know, I was like, well. I'm I'm not that patriotic, frankly, <laughs> especially when it comes to Donald Trump. So, yes, but yeah, I got that question at least four times from four different people and four, well, three different situations. But I just found that interesting that the whole world is just kind of like a car crash. They don't want to look, but they like, kind of yeah, have to. Yeah, yes, yeah. So we got that. Yay, America. Yeah, I, I, there's no way he's going to get elected. I, I hope you're right. I, I mean, because even in his own party, I mean, basically two-thirds of the people are voting against him. So, yeah. And I just don't see him being the type of person that people suddenly get on board. I, I just think people won't vote. It's not like they're going to go the other way. I just think they're going to not vote. Unless they want the train wreck to happen and then <laughs> for entertainment value yeah uh, entertainment value seems to you know stop when world war three happens so but here's what i think is that the other leaders of the world will do everything in their power to not let him screw this up like if he were to win you know what i mean like if he, I, my hope is that everyone else would realize how much of an idiot he is and would do as much backdoor dealing as possible to just cut him out of everything. That's what I would hope. But I, I would, I think, I think it's one of those deals that anybody that ends up in that position realizes, oh, I don't have as much influence as I think I had. I definitely. Yeah, think. I would just hope that the uh, the U.S. legislative system, you know, the whole, you know, the judicial, yeah, would actually happen. Um, but anyways, so I guess in, in a way to summarize this very political section of our show, which we don't really ever talk about, but that's okay. Uh, someone on Twitter said that Donald Trump is the nickelback of politics. Nobody you know likes them, yet somehow they're still very popular. That's hilarious. <laughs> which just makes me, you know, giggle on the inside. Because Nickelback. Oof. <laughs> Oof. <sighs> Anyways, uh, I don't think we have any follow-up from our previous episodes. Not that I'm aware of. And no. here's my theory, Dave. Yes. No one followed us over to the network, and we have no listeners now. That's my theory. That's why there's no follow-up. Oh, no. Well, people need I'm, to follow us I'm, over. I'm, I know, but telling them to do that here is pointless, because... Now they don't know. Exactly. we got to go back and... We're, we're speaking into a vacuum. Oh, no. But it's okay. We'll survive. We will survive. Build it and they will come, Dave. If we just keep pushing the publish button, eventually <laughs> they will come. They'll find us. Well. Yes. Any other seemingly random thoughts before we dive into today's main topic? Mm, no, I do not. All right. Take it away, sir. All right. So we are at uh, Matthew 15, and uh, we're going to start with uh, verse 1. 
And we've got quite a bit of reading to go through here, all the way down to verse 20. Um, but it's all connected, so hopefully by the time we get done here today, uh, we'll be able to bring it all together. So, then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If anyone tells his father or his mother, What you would have gained from me is given to God. He, needs, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites! Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the people to him, and he said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, Every, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. There's a lot there. There is a lot there, I know. <laughs> much, much, much to dig into. Yeah, wow. It's like backloaded too. Like there's there's important stuff at the beginning, but like he really kind of just Drops a bomb on him there at the end, but we'll get to that at the end of this show. Sure, let's uh, let's be logical and proceed from the beginning. <laughs> Go Dave. from the beginning. Okay. Uh, all right. So let's just start with what what's going on in the first nine verses, because this this is kind of confusing to me. Uh, he talks about honoring your father and mother, which you know God commands, right? It's in the Ten Commandments, after all. Couldn't tell you which one, but it's, you know, somewhere between one and ten. Um, but he says, whoever, uh, blah, blah, blah. But you say, in verse five, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. That doesn't sound like English to me. Um, so what the Pharisees had done with their law was um, if they had a, a father or a mother who was in need, in other words, this is, there's an expectation of the younger generations take care of the older generation, they could get out of that obligation by saying, I'm giving it to God. And what that would mean is, is that when they died, they would give all of their money, they would pledge everything that they had. They would pledge their their giving to God when they died. And it was this loophole for having to, to not take care of your father and your mother. 
by so, by pledging your earthly uh, belongings so you, to you, God you, after you, you died. You managed to screw your parents and your kids all at the same time. Pretty much. And Sounds so, about right. So basically, it was their way of being able to keep their money, not have to meet the obligation of taking care of their parents, um, because they would say, well, I'm giving it to God when I die. So that's that's what they're doing there. And so, you know, they're they're talking about something small, like, oh, your followers, your disciples are Don't not wash washing their, their hands. hands. Germaphobes. So, Gosh. and he's very much saying to them, uh, yeah. I'm going to call you on this one and I'm going to point out, and I I think there's even sort of a, um, with this, he probably could have pointed out a multitude of different things that the Pharisees were doing, you know, uh, and, and we've already seen this earlier on in Matthew where, uh, you know, they, they try to trick Jesus and he always has the right answer. And I think he kind of just went for the just total like, and I don't am going to point something out to you that you're doing that's wrong, but I'm going to kind of shame you because who does that? Who, <laughs> you know, who chooses to say, I'm going to give my money to God when I'm dead so I can keep it all to myself while I'm alive and not take care of my parents. Yeah. It's almost uh, like the opposite of the prodigal son where he says, I want my inheritance now, mm-hmm. which is kind of not kind of, it's pretty much telling his dad, you're dead to me. Give me, give me what would replace you. And then he goes and squanders it, right? Uh, and then comes back, and and everything is forgiven. made well yeah. and forgiven. Uh, whereas in this one, the kids again kind of saying, "Screw you" to the parents. But I almost want to say in a more selfish way. I would. I would say it is. Yeah, and that's because because that's I think the other thing that's going on here is is he's like saying I mean this is pretty direct. God commanded honor your father and your mother, and then whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. So this isn't like a I mean the Bible doesn't say anywhere wash your hands before you eat. That's really not in there. So that's even another thing. I mean they're picking a they're picking a law. Uh, well, clean, or a, cleanliness is next to godliness, Dave. <laughs> I don't think that's in the Bible either. Um, what's the fake Bible book you always quote? <laughs> well, I, I have first and second hesitations and <laughs> first and second Yolanda. You... <laughs> They're in the Apocrypha, I think. Yes. <laughs> Somewhere in Bell and the Dragon. Yes. Yeah, and, 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 you know, it, very much a... He's they're worried about your disciples breaking the tradition of the elders. I mean, they, they even acknowledge themselves. It doesn't yeah. say they're breaking God's word. They're going against what Moses taught. No, you break the tradition of the elders. So it's a very trivial thing that they are pointing out here, I think, even in the first place. Yeah, I mean, how... Maybe cocky is not the right word, but and they obviously were, I think, as you see their interactions with Jesus throughout the gospel, they're getting um, more and more desperate maybe to try and catch him in a contradiction or stump him or 
just try and put him in the place they believe he deserves, which is, you know, kind of at their feet. And so they, they clearly don't see him in the right light. But to your point, the tradition of the elders, like they're starting to get down to this very trivial, petty type stuff where they, they've kind of swung for the fence a few times and missed, and now they're just maybe trying to like get a bunt single. Like maybe if maybe if I just lay this one down there, he'll hesitate long enough for us to get on base and build a case, mm-hmm. you know, to try and and as you said, he comes back and kind of sticks it to him yeah. pretty pretty strongly. And 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 I think this is, you know, the Pharisees very much um they're operating from the standpoint of they truly believe that what the disciples are doing is wrong. And I think they wholeheartedly believe that their idea of dedicating their belongings to God is an appropriate behavior. And even as we're saying this and we're talking about this, I'm very much guilty of this. And I think Christians, well, I won't speak for anybody else. I'll speak for myself. I definitely do this. And I have a sense that we all do that. We, we, we major in the minor sometimes on things that really aren't important. And we make them, um, the thing that we're going to hold up as this is the standard. Um, and then we, I think we kind of skip over some of the, the more important things. So, yeah, well, and that gets right to, um, the, the verse in Isaiah that Jesus quotes, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So, like, we read it as, like, oh, the tradition of the elders, what to do? But they're like, no, 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 the tradition of the elders says this. Yeah. Don't, how dare they cross, and, and to your point earlier, and, and to the point Jesus makes is, the the tradition of elders and the word of God are not even no remotely <laughs> close to being similar in authority or importance, right? That's not to say that the wisdom and experiences of elders in the church are bad. Of course not. We have elders in the church for very, very good reasons, right? But when it comes down to Scripture versus the word of an elder— Scripture is going to win every single time, ever, yeah, ever, 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 ever. And the elder's going to have to, you know, either change his mind or kind of turn into one of these guys. Yeah. One way, one way's good. One way's not not so good. Yep. So. Well, I go back to our, our political conversation at the beginning. Here we go. Uh, well, no, just a simple point of there is very much that opinion of, well, if you're a Christian, then you vote Republican. Or if you're a Christian, then you That's vote Democrat. Terrible idea. And it kind of depends on what part of the country you're from where that <laughs> uh, ends up being. But yeah, it is, it's very much a... To me, that's a very similar thing. It's a tradition of men. It is not biblical. It is not... Now, yeah, I understand that there's, you know, certain things that, um, oh, would lead you to say that this is who I should vote for or I shouldn't vote for. But I'll say this. If you're a Christian and you're thinking about voting for Trump, 
the guy owns casinos and makes money off of gambling and those sorts of things. And who does that affect? That affects the poor people. Poor people are the ones that are hurt by gambling. They're hurt by the lottery for that matter. And it's the, uh, it's a tax on the poor man. And most people won't see that. Most people won't say that that's an acceptable, or I'm sorry, most people won't say that's a deal breaker. And maybe it's not the, the only thing, but again, and I'll stop with the politics, <laughs> but it's just interesting. The things that we choose to say are important uh, and not getting the whole picture and all that. He's also just an idiot. I mean, I'll say it. I, he's got to be somewhat. No, there. there's a difference between. Oh, I got what you're saying. There's a difference between being good at your job and being an intelligent human being. Because I, I, my personal belief is that intelligence is more than book smarts. Sure. That is a certainly a factor in your intelligence, right? And clearly, Donald Trump knows how to make a buck. He has proven right. over time that he can make and lose lots and lots of money. Mm-hmm. That does not mean that in the grand scheme of life, he is somebody that is wise or intelligent. In how I think to, wise is a good word. Yeah. And how to, be, word. how to be a, a, a nice person. <laughs> so I just... If I want to, I, but even if I want to want to learn how to run a business, I'm not looking at him. I'm looking at other people. So I would think say that's probably I just, true. I don't mean to be mean. I know Jesus loves everybody. I just <laughs> mm, I need Jesus to make me see him in a better light. Is what I need. Yes, but. Anyways, I think, can we not talk about him ever again, please? Sure. Please. Let's move on. Yeah. I mean, all he's good for is really, really good late night comedy. Yes. Did you, uh, did you see, do you watch Stephen Colbert at all? I, the new, no. I'm going to put a link in the show notes, the YouTube clip of him explaining Donald Trump like a package of Oreos. Oh really? It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> now there's an intelligent person. Yeah. Colbert. Who also happens to be a devout Catholic. Yes, he is. I'm okay with that. You know what else I learned? James Corden, the guy that follows him. Uh, so there's the Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Right. Then there's the Late Late Show with James Corden. He's a British guy. He's young, really good. Like really that that back to back combo. I love Jimmy Fallon and the Tonight Show. Those two back to back. Yeah, see, I'd have to DVR that. I'm never up that way yeah. anymore. It's, and we even live in the Central Time Zone. They, they, they. We got an hour in the bank. Yeah, that's true. But no, but you're up at an awful time of day, aren't you? Oh, not really. But anyhow, so James Corden's British, and um, he grew up in the Salvation Army Church. Oh, really? Yeah, his parents in England. In England, yeah. Um, and so he himself would not say that he's a Christian. He decided at a certain age, and this is all BS, but his parents are still both very devout practicing Christians. Like his dad is a, he sells 
books for a Christian book publisher over in England. Um, and so he was on a, a podcast I was listening to and, and they got talking about his parents and he's like, yo, my parents are Christians. And he goes, no, 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 but, but like, but they're the good kind. <laughs> and the fact that he had to preface that and the host started cracking up, he's like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, so many people say they're Christians, but they suck. He goes, my parents aren't like that. Like they actually are good people. They care about the poor. They serve people. Like they actually live like a Christian should. He goes, they're not perfect. They make mistakes. He goes, but overwhelmingly, they're the good kind of Christian. The one that you want all Christians to be like. And I thought that was hysterical. Yeah, that's interesting. That he, who himself is not a Christian, felt the need to defend his parents' faith and say, no, 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 but they actually mean it. Yeah. They don't just say it like they actually mean they're Christians based on how they live, um, which I just thought was very interesting. And then he also, the host, like, you know, asked him, oh, this is all on WTF with Mark Marin, by the way, which is ironic. Yeah. Because <laughs> I love Mark Marin. Uh, I'm, you know, there's obviously lots of F-bombs on the show because um, the show is called WTF. Um, but he's Whiskey, just, Tango, Foxtrot. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's that's code for you know what. Um, he's just a very interesting guy. I'm very intrigued by him. Um, he's one of those guys. I'm like, man, if he if if he right. was, if he was a Christian, like he's just he's so charismatic and so engaging, and I'm sure very off putting to a lot of people. But I love his psychosis. I love it. Um, anyways, so they're talking about it, and um, James brings up a conversation that he has with his dad on a recurring basis, and James goes, you know, just, just, but what if it's all bullcrap? What if the whole thing is just this magnificent story that some people made up, and it doesn't mean anything? And when you die, that's it. And his dad's like, well, if that's the case, I lived a good life. I lived a life that I'm proud of. I lived a life where I got to help other people, and I lived a life where I got to love my family and teach them you know, morals that, that I believe in. And he goes, but what if I'm right? Yeah, exactly. You're wrong. And then there was kind of an awkward pause. And James goes, you know, so it kind of makes you think a bit. And then Mark <laughs> Maron just loses it. He goes, yeah, yeah, I, I could see how that would make you think. <laughs> you know, and so here you've got these two guys that I wouldn't say are antagonistic towards Christianity. I just think they're indifferent. And and based on what I've heard from Mark, I just I think he's a he's a guy that is not offended at all by spirituality. I just don't think I think he's seen too much bullcrap in the church. Right. That's what I was gonna And say. so I think the the for them to just based on 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 the 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 small bits that I know about them is just they're just indifferent. Like you believe what you want to believe, I'm gonna do my life the way I want to, and let's just all get along. And I just feel like that's where a lot of people are. Yeah. Nowadays. And I don't know. I just, I don't know how I got on that tangent. Oh, we were talking politics. Yeah. I don't remember. I'm lost now. <laughs> That's a party foul. Sorry, guys. No, it's quite all right. We started with Stephen Colbert and. Oh, because, yeah. Way. And then late night. And then, see, it all makes sense when I'm talking. And then I try to, like, remember where I started from. And I realize I'm off in the weeds somewhere. But hey. Let's move on. All right. All right. So let's move on to the uh, second half. 
of the verses here, uh, or of our our passage, I should say. Yes, our passage. <laughs> and uh, let's let's just go with it. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth this defiles a person. And he goes on to you know explain in further depth. But I think this is uh, pretty important to understand what he he means by this because uh as as we mentioned you know earlier talking about this well the, the the elders tradition says this and you can't go against that there's uh very much at least in my in my understanding in my study that you know the being clean and unclean and the, and the whole ritualistic cleansing um that had become a part of Judaism um to the point where they had, you know, special um, pools where you would walk in one side, walk through the water to cleanse yourself, and walk back up. And you would never, you would exit completely separately from where you entered as a representation of, you know, you, you being cleansed and, um, and all sorts of, you know, um, rituals that were tied to all of that. And so this idea of, of cleanliness and, and, and um, uncleanliness. Uh, the fact that lepers were kicked out and they had to say unclean, unclean as they were walking. And it's just, it's, it's smattered all amongst the Old Testament, right? This whole idea. And, um, you know, there were certain foods that were considered unclean, like pigs, um, for example. Yes, Leviticus 11 is where all that is listed. That's exactly what I was just about to say. <laughs> you know, I always steal my thunder, Dave. So it's like, but it is, it's, it's pigs, it's camels, it's falcons, it's... You know, so the Jews, all, all the things that we don't eat, kind of, except for, I guess, pigs. Say we live in Kansas City, Dave. We eat a lot of pig. A lot of pig, but everything else kind of is... I, I can't imagine falcons are that tasty. No. That's what I mean. You read the list, and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and no dairy. Oh! <laughs> That's not on the list. I'm kidding. I think they were... Um, it's no meat and no dairy together. Is what it is. Oh, really? Like you don't eat. Well, it goes back to. It, it, well, it's the example of of you know you're talking about the the clean and the unclean, mm-hmm. and they would take things so totally to the extreme, so that they wouldn't inadvertently do what they weren't supposed to do, and that is the whole. Um, a baby animal should not be boiled or cooked in its mother's milk, and so to avoid the whole, a baby animal should never be prepared in its mother's milk, they don't eat dairy and meat together. Because if you don't eat dairy and meat together, well, then you might not accidentally boil that baby goat in its mother's milk. So that's that's the extreme they went to with what you're talking about with the, the clean and unclean. Yeah. Well, I mean, but in that sense, that almost seems not that crazy. Not that crazy, but what is it? It's, it's based on what we can do as human beings and not what God can do and that's what that, that's what this all boils down to, to for me is they're doing this because it's what they can control it's what they can can do and it's it completely kind of removes god from the picture you know it's like the five pillars of islam it's it's you know these are the things that you can do to get to heaven and as we know that's not what it's all about or not not what it's all about but it's not how it happen, how it works. Not how God's final plan played out. 
I just still can't get over who boils milk. Uh, to cook an animal, no, or period. <laughs> Milk's gross. So, anyways, uh, all right. So, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Big surprise there, right? Uh, Why do the disciples care? Well, that's the question. Yeah, because there's this element of they're like going, uh, Jesus. You're offending the people that we probably shouldn't be offending. Like, there's definitely this concern on the disciples' part of <laughs> being focused on. Yeah, they're doing damage control. They're yeah, trying to. Anyhow. Yeah, there's definitely. Uh, they're worried. Hey, uh, we've offended the Pharisees. <laughs> Do you care? All right, just just go with me on this. Uh-huh. Imagine a sitcom. In which Jesus comes to modern-day America, and the twist of the sitcom is that it's Jesus and his uh, his undesired but yet unrelenting PR team. <laughs> <laughs> and so Jesus is on the street corner of Manhattan or L.A. or wherever it may be, probably all of them, uh, and he's just lambasting the bigwigs, right? And and the whole comedic twist is his PR team trying to spin it to not be so offensive. Yes. And so, you know, brash and then the the obvious uh um oh my goodness, uh arguments ensuing between Jesus and the PR team. Yes. I just think that like I don't want you, why are you here? This is not what it's about, but they're like forcing themselves upon him and following him everywhere. Yes, the political th- correctness team. Exactly, and and Jesus is on the corner talking, you know, all the stuff, and and they're on their phones on Jesus's Twitter handle, saying like super super PC versions of everything that he said. His Twitter account followers just go higher and higher because he's just hitting all the right buttons, even though that's not at all what he's saying. And the people show up to hear him talk, and they all get offended, and then the PR team has to spin it again. Yes, I could see that. That'd be a funny show. <laughs> Probably wouldn't last more than a few episodes. It's not a very. Uh, deep plot but you know for an snl skit or two it could be funny it could be yeah yes very much so our brand is jesus that's what they could call it get sandra Sandra bullock in there it'll sell a bunch (laughs) so this is kind of a random thought and i'm i don't even know where i'm going with this and i don't even know that it really matters it it occurred to me as we were i don't remember Okay, so so the Pharisees are the ones that come on scene. They make their point about the unwashed hands, and then even we in previous verses that we've we've looked at, uh, Jesus then has to kind of explain things to his disciples. But in that verse that you just read, and maybe I don't know, maybe I'm making something out of nothing here. But in verse ten, it says he called the people to him, and said, "Hear and understand." It is not what goes in the mouth that defiles a person, but comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. I don't ever remember him sort of like, he got, he's got the Pharisees, and then he's got his disciples. I don't remember him kind of doing the sidebar of, he, hey, everybody, while we're having this discussion, I'm going to point out to you pretty straightforward. I mean, cause, and this is pretty straightforward teaching here. You know, this isn't a parable. This isn't anything... Um, but he, he, it just seems like he's including the crowd when he has never done that before. 
And not only is he including the crowd, but he's including the crowd with a very direct sort of like statement of these guys are wrong. And this yeah, is, he calls this them. Is, he he says later on, um, "Let them alone. They are blind guides, and if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit." Like he's starting. Not that he ever had the kid gloves on, right? But he's starting to become more and more direct with, uh, more direct and probably more um, repetitive with these sorts of things. And I, I think pulling the crowd into it at this point shows an incredible amount of confidence Mm -hmm. because you got to think that wherever Jesus went, people started gathering because by this point he's pretty famous, right? Mm -hmm. Then when Jesus confronts the Pharisees or they've got a little, you know, you know, jets and sharks showdown (laughs) going on in the alley, uh, that's going to bring even more people, especially if they start talking and, you know, debating. Probably somewhere near the market, because the Pharisees like to be seen and heard, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so probably at a popular location with lots of people around that, you know, just like any street musician or performer or magician, people just gather. You see a crowd, ooh, what's going on? And everyone just everyone comes together. To see, yeah. And so Jesus is going back and forth with the disciples and I don't, I, I don't know what causes it, but then he just turns to the crowd and says, boom, here you go. And I have to imagine that's why the disciples say Right, exactly. Because he's done something he's not <laughs> done yet. And I'm sure the look on the face of the Pharisees was just, like, you just broke all the rules of engagement, pal. Right. We were talking, you know, we were the main event, and then you turned and brought everybody else in, and that I guarantee you that's why the disciples are like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> did like, you know that that's how they just reacted to that? Because he changed he he changed the game on them. Yeah. So, yeah, as you were reading that, I just was like, wow, that's kind of the first time, and it's really the first time his, his disciples have said something like that in terms of, uh, I think you offended them. I think yeah. you've made them mad. So... And he just brushes it off. Yeah. Leave them alone. They're blind. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, he calls them blind and basically referenced an earlier parable that we discussed that they're one of those plants that will be uprooted. So basically a weed, I guess. Well, and then and I just I, I can't help but think as we continue to read this that he's just he's starting to get uh frustrated. Because Peter says, okay, explain the parable to us. Like, you're clearly not upset that you just pissed them off. Right. So help us understand why that's not a big deal. Yeah. Is what I'm imagining the explain the parable to us is coming from. Well, and I'm even a little bit like parable. I don't, I, there's no parable here. It seems like it's pretty straightforward, too. Well, and then he says, are you still without <laughs> understanding? Like, dude, get with the program. And then he says, do you not see that whatever, and he gets... I mean, very practical here. Whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. So what, whatever you drink or eat gets absorbed and then expelled from the body, right? That is a natural process. You take it in, you use it. What you don't use, you get rid of. The basic science. But 
What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anybody. He's kind of just, I, th- I think, just ripping the veil back for a second. He says, do you not get it? You eat the food, you crap it out, you move on. Right. That's how the body works. But it's what is on the inside of you that comes out in your truest moments that not only defines you but can defile you as well if that stuff is not of God. Right. And I just can't imagine he's just like, it doesn't matter if you don't wash your hands. That doesn't matter. <laughs> what matters is if you're not pure on the inside because that is what you are. Right. Forget the soap. Eat your food. Move on with your life and focus on what's important. Yes. Well, and, and then I think that the, the other thing, too, is, is again, it goes back to, for me, this kind of wanting to wait things. Well, this is more of a serious sin. This isn't a serious sin. You know, and it's out of the heart come evil thoughts. I've had evil thoughts. <laughs> Murder, adultery. Haven't done those two. Sexual immorality. Guilty of that. Uh, theft. Um not in my adult life, but <laughs> I don't think. Back to the salt shaker. I think that if, was episode two or it, three. Does it count if you give it back before they know it's gone? <laughs> I was a kid. Don't worry. We're beyond the statute of limitations. We're beyond such a false witness. I've probably done that to a certain extent. Slander. I've probably done that. And and so yeah, the first the begin the first one and the last one. Evil thoughts and slander. I'm guilty. And. Uh, I want to make myself better. I want to think of myself better than a murderer or an adulterer. And those are all in the same sentence. They're all lumped together. And it, it's, again, that, that uh, it's sin, singular, and not the sins um, that defile us. And it's like you said, there's that element of, I don't even know what, where the whole who you are when nobody's looking kind of a thing. Um, really, um, it's convicting for me. Um, and again, I, I don't think we wallow in the guilt. I don't think we um, get consumed by that because ultimately that's why Jesus died on the cross was to deal with those things and to remove them from us. Um but I'm going to say it's a good barometer. It's a good thing to kind of gauge against ourselves when we think we're doing well and doing what we're supposed to be doing of just how quickly we can fall into those kind of conversations or uh, not just even conversations, but just the thoughts that we have that are not edifying and glorifying to God. So, yeah. Yeah, I think this is... Um... To me, it's like quintessential Jesus, <laughs> if I could use such a catchphrase, um, that he he so quickly demystifies this longstanding thing. And then it's just kind of like, how do you not get this? This is so simple. This is stupid. Here's the one reason why it's stupid, and here's what really matters. Like, he, he just... He cuts to what he cuts through the bullcrap 
like, you know, a hot knife through warm butter, just like right, right to the heart of it. But then he's just not, he's not there just to criticize, right? It'd be one thing if he just said, these guys are idiots. It doesn't matter what you eat. You're just going to poop it out. And that's the end of the conversation. You're like, okay, great. Like, why is this a big deal? But because he's able to cut through the crap and point out its flaws and then say, this is what really matters and give you, you know, a laundry list of reasons of why he's right. Well, then all of a sudden, it's a, it's a lot harder to disregard what he's saying when it makes sense on both sides of the coin, right? Mm-hmm. If he were just to say, ah, these guys are blind, let's just move on, and that's the end of the story, kind of like, well, yeah, you can say that, but why? You know, it's, but what he does is he says it, and then he backs it up mm-hmm. with something that makes even more sense. And you're like, oh, yeah, 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 what you said. That's, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, I get it. Um, and so I often think um, that that preachers who understand this, um, whether they're you know preaching from the pulpit on Sunday or or teaching kids in children's ministry in Sunday school or anywhere in between, leading a Bible study, a small group for kids or adults, anytime someone who's teaching scripture can can do this and say. This is what the world is teaching us about this topic. Mm-hmm. Here's why it's garbage. But then also say, but here is what the script, what the Bible tells us to replace this garbage with. That is far more powerful than me just saying Donald Trump's an idiot and we shouldn't vote for him, right? That doesn't mean anything mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things. Right. But if if I can say you know, um, here is why uh, homosexuality is a sin. And then I can further explain, well, here is why all of these other sexual problems are sins as well. And here's what scripture says about purity in the heart. Well, that's a whole different conversation because I'm not bashing homosexuals. I'm not. I am, I am talking about sexual immorality as a whole, as a problem in our culture. And then I'm saying... But here is where the issue stems from. It stems from the heart, right? Evil thoughts and adultery and sexual immorality, right? So whether, whether that's you know, pornography, actual adultery, sex before marriage, uh, homosexuality, whatever, whatever the issue is around the sexuality, I'm not bashing anyone because of that. I'm simply pointing out, there's, here's the flaw in our thinking, and here is how Scripture reframes that to be an issue of the heart mm-hmm. and an issue of the soul as opposed to an issue of lust or hormones. And any time that we can reframe an issue where we can say, here's, this is, it's wrong and here's why, but then also go that extra step like Jesus does and say, here's the root cause of the problem. Let's talk about that. Because if we can talk about the root cause of the problem being the heart and being our souls, then you can actually have a conversation about that because you're beyond the issues. Right. It's not a political discussion anymore. No. It's a discussion about the very nature of being human and of being alive. And that is a far more meaningful conversation than arguing about the symptoms. Yep. 
So just a thought. I don't know if that made any sense. Oh, it, it totally. And that's where, again, I, I, it's about um, the heart uh, and not so much about the outward rituals or the things that we do. Um, if, if, um, I don't know, there's a, I don't don't even know what I'm trying (laughs) to say right now, but I'm, I'm agreeing with what you said. And it's about the condition of our heart and not what we do or don't do. Um, I guess kind of back to Dallas Willard once again, the gospel of behavior of um, sin management. Sin management. Thank you. That's what I was trying to. The, what I couldn't come up with. And and I think that's um, we may not have the rituals today that the Pharisees had. You know, the cleansing of the hands and clean food and unclean food and all those sorts of things. What we have is sin management. And it's this idea of, you know, those certain things that we do, the list of do's and don'ts uh, versus it coming from a heart place of, I want to serve God and I love him and that is why I do these things versus um, sin management. So hopefully that made sense as well. <laughs> it was, oh, you always I, make as sense. As I was listening to you, I was like, yes, that's, it's there. And then it didn't come out. So right. you're good. You All right. are good. Well, I think that brings us to a rather abrupt finish. Does it? To episode 54. Wow. A time flies by as always. This very master class, yes. Well, thanks for listening, guys uh, and ladies. And, well, I guess that's it. But if you want to find the show notes for today's episode, you can do so at supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 54. If you want to chat with Dave, you can do so on Twitter at 108HBO, where 8 is the only number. Everything else is letters. You can get me on Twitter as well, at Cam Brennan. And if your thoughts are a bit longer than Twitter. Well, you can always DM. They change the length. You can have unlimited length on your direct messages now. But if email's more your style, you can email us at hello at supermegacorp.net. I think that's all for now, Dave. It's been a good time. Yes, we will. uh, We'll see you next episode. Bye. Bye.